This is Mission Qualphone, a monthly podcast that takes you inside the workings of our company, but not just the ins and outs of business. We look at the ideas and insights that make Qualphone truly unique. As a company, we are committed to being the best and making each person's life better. Join us as we get to know and learn from people from across the organization. What's their story? What have they learned? And how do they live out Qualphone's mission? Welcome to Mission Qualphone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Mission Qualphone podcast. Welcome, Jeremy. Welcome, Marisol. 30 episodes. I'm super excited. This is like a this is like a, a milestone episode to me. Number 30. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're at 30,000 downloads as of the recording of this one too. So exciting stuff. And you know what? It's perfect that it's our 30th episode because we have our chief operating officer, Doug Kearney, on the episode. And it's a little longer than our usual content, but he is so good in this interview mm. that I just, we, we kept it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And since we interviewed him, He's had, I guess, I guess we call it a promotion, right? He's been our chief operating officer for a while, but he is, it's now recently been announced that he is our chief operating officer and president. Yeah, president and chief operating officer yes. of Qualfan. And you will hear in this interview why that is, it's just exciting news for, for you, for me, and for everyone at Qualphone and all our clients and all our customers, because we are definitely in good hands. Absolutely. So with that, we're just going to keep this intro super short and go straight to the interview with our Chief Operating Officer, Doug Kearney. Or I should say, President and Chief Operating Officer, Doug Kearney. Well, Doug, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We, we appreciate you coming on. Jeremy, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and especially out in your uh, Manhattan offices. Beautiful view of the skyline today. <laughs> well, uh, I do have this question for you. Now, I know enough about your background that, that you have a background in finance. And and now here you are the chief operations officer for Qualphone. I would just love to hear your story, your background. How did you get from from working in finance to being the chief operations officer? Well, there it was a long path, and I'm probably going to bore a lot of people, but um, <laughs> don't fall asleep when you hear this. But I really, Jeremy, it that path started a long time ago. Um, when I was entering undergrad, college, um, I just had a general interest in business in general. How did... How did business work? Why did it work the way it worked? And it was a simple thought of, you know, better figure out how uh, numbers are derived and how is the information determined? Because if you don't make money, you're not going to stay in business. So, you know, I started with an interest in learning accounting and finance and, and how businesses worked. Uh, early in my career, I was able to work from for some very large public companies, billions of dollars in revenue and operations globally, and primarily working on the auditing side uh, of those engagements with them. And that really led then to another experience 
in which was uh, these were very large successful companies understand how they generated the revenue how they how they were profitable but you know what i started to wonder was well what causes businesses to fail and mm-hmm. so i transitioned went back to school got a master's degree and transitioned into consulting and particularly consulting with troubled companies and and in that experience it was it was unfortunate situation for many companies that I was consulting with but fascinating experience because you learned all these different reasons and why businesses failed and sometimes those things were out of their control but why they fail how they fail and and how to fix them when they are failing and uh, that was my first exposure frankly to the BPO industry and and then that actually transitioned an interest into, um, you know, realization that we always talk about the big billion dollar companies, but much of the growth in the world and the, and the job growth and the employment is lower middle market businesses, Mm. um, entrepreneurs. And so I decided I'd really like to understand how you build and grow a small business and from the ground up. And that led me to working for some private equity firms that were focused on investing in and buying and growing small uh, middle market businesses, anywhere from five million in revenue at that time to call it a hundred million in revenue. And um, the goal in in investing of those was, you know, how do we take a good business? Generally, we're buying small family owned businesses and helping them try to double, triple, quadruple their their revenue and their earnings and, and to grow. And um, through that experience, I worked on investing in about 12 different companies in seven different industries and, and had, again, sort of the good fortune of, of working closely with um, a couple businesses in the BPO space and the call center space. And that led to an opportunity where I became the CEO of Dialogue Direct and was able to run a call center marketing services business for four or five years. And then as Qualphone acquired us, we were able to and transition in and, and grow as part of the Qualphone family. And so, you know, it's been a long path. It See, I made it sound like it was purposeful. It wasn't always purposeful because I, I didn't know. But um, I interrupt though because sure. I didn't know all that. I, I really just always thought of you as a, a finance guy. I don't mean mean to sound dismissive, but hearing you lay out your path, I was like, wow! It's almost like you were perfectly designed to be a CEO of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a BPO I, company that also wants to do many other things and is striving with, you know, it, it just, it almost seems like a perfect synchronicity. Yeah. You know, and hindsight is always twenty twenty, and, and, you know, Marisol, it's interesting you say that as I, as I talk about it, it sounds a lot easier and purposeful than it, than it was. And it, you know, there was periods of time where it was uh, just like anybody else's career, uh, dark and confusing, and and I was unsure and not sure what to do next. But I, I, there was a logic to it, I guess, deep down in terms of what I knew I was interested in and what experiences you know that I that I wanted, and I think it was just a generally uh, a general intellectual curiosity uh, again about how businesses work and why they work, and and sort of mirroring the pieces together along the way. And and yes, coming up from finance, it, it's an interesting point you bring up. 
you know, you come up through an accounting and finance and everything is a number. And then um, you try to dig behind that and underneath it. And, and there's a lot more. And, you know, one of the thir- painful lessons I learned and in the investing space is the businesses are not the numbers. Mm-hmm. The businesses are driven by the people within it. And if you're not investing for growth, um, you're not going to grow. And uh, we hear all these success stories, whether you want to call Apple, Facebook, Twitter, you know, you name it, all these these great Tesla, these great stories where people overnight created this business and, and created billions of dollars of wealth and, and jobs for others. The reality is most of those stories are those are the exceptions. Right. And most of the United States or the world is small entrepreneurs, you know, risking their fortunes, risking their families to try to make it. And, you know, it learned behind that it's people that actually make businesses go. And to to be able to survive, you have to motivate, understand individuals, and you have to sell. <laughs> and yet then you have to make money off of what you do. So being able to sell and being able to operate as efficiently, effective as possible, go hand in hand. People always ask, what's more important, sales or operations? Finance will always say it's finance, but- yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, everyone will say it's their department. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sales or operations, and, I, and I'll tell you, it's both. If you don't have sales, you're dead. And if you don't operate profitably, what you do have, you know, you're, you're dead, so to speak. So you need to have both. And it's a balancing act because the individuals that and the personalities that are good at operating are not the individuals and personalities that are good at selling. <laughs> and there's always a natural push and pull between the two. And, you know, it's it's a fine line and balancing act. Sorry, I was going to interrupt and say, if you listen back to our uh, chief sales officer, Dave Drayton's episode, you get a little taste of that with my background in ops, that mm-hmm. it is that there is that uh, push and pull with uh, those. But you need both. You're absolutely correct. You need you need both. Yeah. And, and at certain times in the business life cycle or or your individual or, or your your specific business and your strategy and, and where you're at in the maturity level of the company and, or the industry, you may need to put more emphasis on sales for a period of time than operations or vice versa, but it can't be long-term. Ultimately, you know, both of them I think are equally important, but, you know, underneath that, what you, you we can't forget is it's really people that make a business successful. Mm. Doug, I'm going to ask you to, think back to your consultant days for a minute, because you said something that really jumped out at me. You said that you spent most of that time working with companies that were struggling. So my question is, what was the common thread that ran through these companies that were struggling? If there was a single common thread. And then the flip side of that is, what what did you see as the common thread that ran through the successful companies? Mm. Well, I don't know if I'm going to answer that question, Jeremy, because it wasn't on the pre-read and, and <laughs> previous questions for me to prepare for. But um, you know, when I when I think about the troubled companies that I interacted with, it's really hard to paint a broad brush. And I'm going to pivot on this a little bit first, but that's where my experience really resonated in terms of the effects on the individual 
inside a business, that a business is not some building or factory or data center. Those are all tools to help a business run. And it's the individuals that are inside the business that really make it successful working together. I also learned in that experience that it's a team. There is no one individual that is going to make or break a company. Yes, you can talk about leadership and you can talk about certain key positions or areas, but it's a team effort in organizations. And the devastation that I don't think we understand fully, unless you've been through it, the devastation of a failing business on the lives of the employees and the families. And it, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where I learned, I think, Jeremy, the hard lessons in, in, in understanding, wow, there's thousands of people in these organizations or businesses that showed up, did their job every day, and they're going to pay the price because this happened or that happened or some bad decisions were made. A lot of times what led to those situations, you know, there were the the situations of fraud and, and greed. There were the situations where government regulations changed. Nothing, nothing went wrong other than the government regulations change and all of a sudden you're out of business. Mm. Uh, there were, I guess some people could call it, you know, mismanagement. And, and that is we weren't paying attention to what we should have been paying attention to as an example. And, you know, the signs were there and and didn't change behavior or strategy quick enough. But I think it, it all depended on, on the situation. I think the overall powerful part of that experience, as I said, was how devastating if you don't do your job if something fails, the the trickle-down effect into the organization and the individuals did nothing wrong. And it, it ends up just turning their lives upside down. Now, you know, on the successful side, whether it was a turnaround within a restructuring, Jeremy, or, you know, the larger companies I was involved with, the key over and over and over again was strategy. You have to have sales and you have to have operations, but you have to know who you are and you have to know what you're not. And so, you know, the, the most successful turnarounds in, and, and or the most successful organizations that I came across, you know, were very focused and we're, here's our core business. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're good at. These are the processes and the way we're going to operate and optimize. And we're not going to get distracted. I'm going to call them science projects, but I'm not going to get distracted by the glittery object Mm -hmm. over here. And so, you know, that was my experience that, that I really found when you narrowed down the world and your your world through defining what your strategy was and who your customers were going to be in the markets and you didn't overreach and you weren't too broad it, it's amazing it sounds counterintuitive to say hey I, you know i'm not going to go after every single customer i could possibly go after but when you narrow the world and it, it's amazing the focus and the success and and the profitability and growth that comes from that 
I, I spoke to you before about this. Uh, you, we had summit this year with COVID. It was virtual. I, I think it was a, a fantastic experience. But I found y- your presentation was the one that stuck with me the most because it was the first time I had that thought. And the thought was that living our mission fl- could flow down in every interaction that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads all the way down to the interaction with the client's customer. And that, since I'm not in ops anymore, it was the, it was like an original thought. It really stuck with me how much more important the mission is than I had even previously thought. Um, and so it was so inspiring. You know, we, we ran a social media campaign around it, calling it hashtag Qualphone Mission 360, looking at the mission from a complete view. And so I wanted to kind of ask you about that, like what inspired that, that presentation and how, what is it like to be the chief operating officer of a mission driven company like this? <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to go on record as saying is I, I probably plagiarized somebody's thoughts somewhere along the line. So I'm not sure they're unique or original, but <laughs> how, how I've thought about it, I guess, is, you know, back to, back to tying into working with middle market companies and saying, okay, I may not be the biggest. I may not have the most resources in the world. I may not be in 50 countries, but how do I compete in and grow in an industry that is highly um, fractured? So if you look in the BPO industry in particular, you can take the five, six biggest companies that are all billion dollars in revenue or more, and they can they comprise maybe 20% of the entire industry. And so there's 80% of the market out there still to be had. And I look at that and say there's there's plenty of room for middle market businesses, whether that's uh, 20 million of revenue or that's, you know, 800 million of revenue uh, as an example. But what is your strategy going to be and how are you going to be unique or different and grow? And so, you know, some of the thought process really goes back to 2012 when we when I was on the board of Dialogue Direct before I had come in to run it, and we were asking a lot of those same questions. We're in this industry, we're a couple hundred million of revenue. We operationally can compete against the big players, but we can't be everywhere in the globe and we probably can't uh, ramp up to 50,000 employees at any one time when we were 5,000. So the question was, how do we want to be different? And I, I think People ask that question a lot. How are you different? How is Qualphone different? And part of the genesis of my thoughts started back then, and, and they've matured and developed through my experience with Qualphone. And I think you, you ask, how are you different? You'll hear somebody say, oh, I'm the best in quality, or I have the best technology, or I'm on the best places to work list. I have a great culture, or I'm the largest, or I have the great, I have the best benefit package. Well, the reality is, those are not long-term differentiators. Those are certain aspects of the business that may be true for a moment in time. That moment in time may be a year, three years, five years, but long-term, that's not going to be distinctive or sustainable. And I think 
through my growth over time in, in marrying up with Qualphone, you know, it was an evolution, Marisol, of we at Qualphone have a mission. And we state our mission to be help as many individuals as possible pursue their total vocation, create an ever-growing number of career development opportunities, and be the partner of choice for all our clients. Be the best and make each person's life better. And when you look at that, a lot of us focus on, oh, make each person's life better and be the best. But and oftentimes, we talk about that in the sense of, we have 15,000 employees in the company, and our job is to make their life as best as possible, which is true, and, it, and it's awesome. But what we have at Qualphone in that mission, it, it doesn't say just our employees. It says each person. And when we think about being an outsourcer, we have 15,000 employees. When you add in their family members, you know, it could be up to 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 uh, people that we touch. And then when you think about our clients and the number of interactions, we are touching probably over 200 million lives, individual lives every year through our services, being an outsourced service provider. And, and so when you think about our mission and you think about how are we different or how can we be the best? I think at Qualphone, we have something that no one else has. We are totally a mission-driven company. Um, we are focused on each person that we deal with. And that isn't each person as an employee. That's each client we deal with. And then having been an outsource world, there's another aspect here. Uh, it's internal Qualphone employees, it's external clients, but our clients are hiring us to serve their customers. So we're also interacting with those customers on a daily basis. And when you think about the way we talk about, from a marketing standpoint, the customer journey and focusing on the customer journey for our clients, it really becomes totally powerful to say at Qualphone, if we take our mission and apply it, I'm call it in a 360 degree view to our employees, our clients, and our clients' customers, we truly have a differentiator that no one else has. What we're trying to do at Qualphone is bring together all the capabilities to be able to service our clients and our clients' customers at every aspect of the customer journey. So we're helping them acquire new customers, generate revenue for them. We're trying to help them through loyalty campaigns and retention campaigns to keep the customers they have, as well as service the customers they have, and also um, help them in their back office processes. And so when you think about Qualphone, we can do everything from front-end customer acquisition to back-end service and do that with a focus on each individual transaction on a person-to-person -person basis. That's what makes Qualphone different. We are focused not on a transaction, we are focused on the person. And if we can treat each individual to a remarkable transaction, a transaction on a personal basis, 
using our the philosophy of our mission, whether that's an internal employee that we onboard and hire or help train, whether that's a client that we help with a problem or a solution or work they outsource with us, or that's selling or servicing um, some item for a client to one of their customers, and we do it on a one-to-one, person-to-person basis, I truly believe we can be like no one else in the industry. When you did that presentation, the the imagery I had that I was thinking about was, you know, like in psychology class, they teach you, I think it's something called like the dog philosophy or something. So if you're in a bad mood, something bad happened to you, you catch every red light, your boss yelled at you, you go home, you're in a bad mood and you kick the dog. You don't obviously we're not advocating kicking a dog, but the bad moods, bad energy like spreads to every transaction. And when you did your presentation, I had that opposite that, oh my gosh, we're doing the opposite. So if we can provide in every single one of our transactions, this like positive energy that it could just pass on and on and on to every transaction that we do as a company. It was just like, it was like a light bulb moment that I had. No, and you you hit on the power of, of our business. So our business and our industry is hard. It's at times thankless. Um, If you really think about what we're doing is we're, we're providing Sometimes we're trying to sell somebody something they don't want, uh, or we're trying to help them through a problem or an issue. The reality is somebody is is using a chat or sending an email or placing a phone call because something is not right. Yes, we do get an occasional, hey, this was really fantastic. Thank you. But, you know, 99% of the interactions we have on any given day are because somebody is having a problem. And the reality is they're calling or they're emailing or they're texting or we're in chat um when they are not in a good mood and they are not happy and we have the incredible power and control to actually influence them for however long that is whether that's a two-minute interaction or a 15 or 20-minute interaction we have the ability to start fresh on every interaction and actually make it remarkable for them. And if that's the the only bright spot in their day, that's great. And we've, we've done our job. The hard part is we know as human beings is we have our own hopes, our own desires, our own needs, our own aspirations, our own moods and emotions. And what's, what's very difficult and challenging is we may not be having a good day at work. We may not be having, there may be a problem in our family. Who knows what's going on in our lives? And we're being asked to set that aside and treat somebody else to a remarkable experience, even though they may not be in a good mood or they may be being rude to us as an example. But the power in that, the real power in that is we have the chance to serve another person and make their life better for that moment in time. And I think when you really boil it down to that, it's magical. I think it's really magical and powerful. And so I know somewhere along the line, you're going to ask me, what advice would I have to an agent that's coming in to work? And, and I think my advice is to remember 
you have the power every day to touch the world and improve it. And I don't say that lightly. Every interaction, it may be 50 interactions, it may be 20, it may be over 100. When that person on the other end is calling you or emailing with you or chatting with you or texting with you, whatever it is, you're in control and you have the power to change their mood, their life, make it better for them for that moment in time. And I think that that is so incredible. Now, it's not easy because we're all human beings, but I think that's that's the beauty of our business. We are people working with other people and delivering our services through each other. And I never saw it that way before Qualfound, how the reach that we have and the possibility of, of, of doing that. Like One of the subjects I get on a soapbox about or I get very passionate about is, is customer service. And, um, you know, if you're at a dinner party with someone and you, you will hear invariably the story of someone, you know, complaining about a customer service interaction on the phone. And usually I, I tend to be, you know, <laughs> fairly quiet, passive person, but I get on this soapbox trying to explain to people who don't understand that that person on the other end of the phone is taking a call like the one they're talking about at this dinner party after call, after call, after call. Mm-hmm. And that person's going home and they have a family and, you know, just trying to open up the idea that it's a human experience that's happening. We often talk about in training, here's the training manual, here's the policies, here's the procedures, here's the process. And process is absolutely, absolutely critical in our business because we have clients that expect that we are going to follow the same process day in, day out, call in, call out, text in, text in, whatever it is. And we're operating as efficiently as and effective as possible. The difference is we're in a human business. We're in the person business. Each individual can't turn off their emotions. They have their own emotions. And, and as I said, hopes and desires and needs earlier. And so what we have to remember as we're training individuals and and they're operating in the organization is each interaction at at that point of time of an interaction with the person on the phone or a chat or a text or email, we have to remember that that customer or that client at that moment in time is the most important person in the world. And what I mean by that is that's all they expect. That's all they see. That's all they hear. They don't care that you, you've already taken 100 calls today or texts today, and or they don't care that your dog is sick. All they care about is the problem they have. And I think, you know, one of the things that we can do a better job at that but I think is key to the industry is helping our employees remember that, that that person isn't going to realize you're having a bad day or they've been there. You know, you've already been through a hundred calls with, with rude people. They want to be treated like they're the most important person in the world at that moment in time, because they believe that and they feel that and they expect that. And our clients expect we will. And so we have to support our employees in understanding that and being empathetic and you know i think the magic there comes particularly for qualphone in our mission office 
And the things that we do outside of benefits, oh, okay, you have medical benefits or you have these other benefits. The difference at Qualphone is we've designed a entire department globally around the world, um, invest millions of dollars a year in investing in each person as a person outside of their job. What are, what are your hopes, desires, and dreams, and how do we help you achieve them? Um, how do we help your individual families? How do we help you educationally get the experience that you want? How do we invest and help the communities you're in? And, you know, the magic of Qualphone, which is a huge differentiator, you can go on any website you want to our billion-dollar competitors, and they all say, we have a diversity department or we have a community department and or we have a separate organization, foundation that invests in these things. The difference is it's inside our business every day. It is a core part of our business. It's a foundation of our business. And we apply those exact same principles that we do in investing our in our mission and in, in, in investing in each person and their families and the communities they live in is part of our core business and we're now taking that view and we're making sure we're extending it 360 degrees to our client and our client's customer. So Doug, a word we hear a lot in our company is humble. And you know, I've noticed that we've given you two compliments and you've been very humble in your response to to those compliments. So I, I've worked with our, our CEO, Mike Morrow, to, for too long, <laughs> a long, long time. And the majority of my time in operations was working for him as the chief operating officer. So so most of my experience and my, my time in the BPO industry has been around CEOs and CEOs and, and C-levels. And, and, and mentoring with Mike, when I, I am trying to figure out my total vocation, he you know, asked me about operations and going back to operations. And I, and I really, I thought about it and I thought about a career path in operations and I was like, no, that's completely not my total vocation. As much as I love, love operations and love all the experiences that it afforded me. Um, but it's a position that I, I, you can't go on vacation to Kearney. I mean, you can, but you can't. <laughs> You're the COO of a company that manages millions upon millions upon millions of transactions. I mean, I'm kidding about you not being able to take a vacation, but you know what I mean. You're always 24-7 something in the organization that, you know, you're the COO for is running a transaction. So what is that like? Are you are you doing your total vocation? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, I do know this. I enjoy this business and this industry because uh, of the people. I'll go back to what one of the things I said previously. I'm, I'm sure if I thought about it, I could find other examples. But when I think about it, I am hard pressed to think of a job or an industry where you can touch hundreds of millions of people every year and have the ability to help them solve a problem or take care of an issue or said differently where you have a chance to give them a remarkable experience. I guess you could talk about the hospitality industry, you know, as one, but 
what I enjoy about this industry and business is there's always an opportunity to do better. There's always an opportunity to interact with millions of individuals and to deliver remarkable experiences to them. In terms of, you know, my role and uh, maybe around how I operate and and, uh, is I learned in, in the restructuring world back in my consulting days there, the, the world was on fire every day. And mainly in, in that world, I was working for uh, the company that was in trouble. And when I was working, my thought process was, and I'm not trying to be egotistical and say that I was the difference, but I was part of a team that was trying to help save those companies and save thousands of jobs at a time, or or even tens, twenties of jobs if the company was small enough. And so I really felt it was an obligation. I felt that that was my calling to serve. And still here today, it's serving others. If you talk to my direct reports, I'm probably not humble and I probably have a big ego just like anyone else. But, you know, through that process, I, I was in some very humbling experiences and I try, I'm not perfect. Um, I never will be, and I can always improve, but I try to step back and always equate back to the situation on a person basis. And I think I love that about our industry and our business. And after you've gone through, you know, several rounds of trying to save companies where you're worried about payroll every day and you don't know if you're going to have enough money to keep the lights on literally or the utility bills or the individual that's that needs their thousand dollar paycheck to buy groceries for their family and you don't know if that check is going to clear and you have enough money. That's that's a very, very humbling experience to be in. And I, I try to often think about that in our business on a day-to-day basis. And that keeps me, I think Marisol, you said it, I that keeps me generally try to be calm and methodical and listen and pay attention to the small things in, in the visual cues and each each situation. Now, I, to your point, operationally, that is very challenging because every minute of every day, if we are not operating as efficiently as we can, there are dollars being wasted. And when I think about that, you may say, oh, well, you know, there he goes talking about money again, and you're focused on profits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that dollar that we waste, I never want it to be the difference between paying somebody's payroll and filing bankruptcy and going out of business. And so to me, it isn't focusing on profitability to put money in our pockets. It's being as profitable as possible operationally and as best as we can be operationally, not only to deliver a remarkable experience for our customer, but to make money so we stay in business and we can fund our mission. And and so, yes, there is an edge to the operational side of the business where you don't have time, maybe you're a little less patient, you need things quickly, there you feel like you're under more pressure. But you know, I try to always equate it back 
on a personal basis. And at the end of the day, you said, well, you know, responsible for millions of transactions and interactions and and essentially keeping the lights on. It's not me. It's the 15,000 employees at Qualphone. And I'm only as good as as they are. And so it's being able to make sure I look at my role is being able to make sure that my team and those others that we work with have what they need to be able to be successful. Because I'm not successful unless they're successful. And, And it's all of them that actually keep the lights on in business business going and and yes it's high pressure yes it's it it is high stakes but at the end of the day we're a people business delivering solutions to other people through people and we have to remember that the minute we treat somebody like a transaction we treat somebody like a number we treat somebody like a dollar sign um, we're no different than any other company in the industry or anyone else. Our difference at Qualphone is we're 100% focused on the person with a 360-degree view of the person. So as we as we wrap up, Marisol, I just I want to thank you and and Jeremy for the opportunity to do the podcast. I think you you both do a fantastic job, and and these are all wonderful to listen to. I thank Mike Morrow for the opportunity. And, and Alfonso for the opportunity to, to be here and be part of Qualphone. When they acquired Dialogue Direct, you know, I didn't know what the future held. And I, I knew that we had similar cultures and philosophies. And it's been uh, more than I ever expected. So I appreciate uh, Mike's leadership and guidance and in, in the opportunity that they've given us and Alfonso's investment in the company. And then obviously, I I, I think the world of my team and uh, they do the hard work day in, day out. I think everyone in the organization that is working for us every day on an hourly basis, they are the linchpin of what we do. They are what we do. And I think they have some one of the hardest and most most thankless jobs in the industry. But I also think, as I said earlier, they have the most powerful job that we could that anybody could possibly have in terms of making someone's life better. So I love the environment. I love the culture. I love the mission. And, and I am greatly appreciative of the opportunity and the individuals that I'm able to share my workday with day in, day out. Well, thank you. Thank you, Doug. Marisol, I think that was a great interview for our 30th episode. We appreciate Doug coming on to talk with us. And Marisol, doesn't this lead perfectly into some social media initiatives that we have going on. Yes, we have a campaign that we're running this month and it's called a hashtag Qualphone Mission 360, where we're just engaging with our sites and our employees on how we live our mission in all 360 view in our work, in our home and in life. And this is the perfect episode to publish the month of this campaign because he was actually the inspiration for it. Well, I am so grateful to him for coming on the podcast. Jeremy, as always, thank you for being the co-host. I can't believe we're at episode 30. Thank you for everyone who has listened. All the feedback, truly appreciated. Please share, subscribe. Those things really do help. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye, Marisol. Bye, Jeremy. 
thanks for listening to this episode of Mission Qualphone. Remember, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, and we'll see you next time on Mission Qualphone.